What's going on, everybody? It's another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. It's your host, Jevin LeFave. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LeFave, on Twitter at JevinLeFave. Find everything for the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Left Side Heavy underscore. I'm bringing back the Did You Hear podcast, Emma and Pat. We, um, we talked a little NFL preseason football that happened the past weekend, so we kind of broke down each performance of the top five quarterbacks that were chosen, and then we kind of picked a player that stood out to us just amongst the week. We went into it pretty deep, but not too deep overall. We kind of just focused on the headliners going into it, which were the top five picks or the top five quarterbacks taken. So we kind of talked about that, and then threw a little curveball at you guys this week. We talked some MLB baseball. Um, these guys know their stuff when it comes to baseball, so we went deep into the season thus far, talked about storylines of each division, and kind of the playoff race, and just players, and all that sorts of stuff, and I choose a team um, close to the end of the episode, so it was a very fun episode to record, they're always a good time to talk to, and be sure to check them out um, on, I think everywhere you get your podcasts, um, did you hear pod, they're a very fun listen if you like baseball if you like football yeah they're awesome and yeah be sure to leave a rating and review on apple podcast to help support the show send a follow my way on social media to help grow the show and be sure to share with anyone you know anyone you think that will like my content it will really help me out immensely i love having new listeners and yeah I believe that's everything I got for you guys. And why don't we kick this episode off? Tom, kick us off. It's episode 52 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LeFave. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Catch everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Left Side Heavy underscore. Today, I welcome back the Did You Hear podcast. And one of them, their camera's actually working this time. That is Pat Zang. (laughs) (laughs) Emma and Pat, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining me tonight. Yeah, super psyched to be here. We're excited for round two. It was so fun the yeah. first time. Yes, thank you for having us on. And I'm thrilled that my laptop is actually charged this time so I can put my <laughs> camera on and don't have to call in from my phone. <laughs> so, uh, Emma, you guys, or Emma and Pat, you guys took a bit of a hiatus. Emma, you were working the Olympics. How yes. was that? It was insane. It was really, really cool. So, I, I'm working at uh, NBC Sports for. A little under a year doing the Tokyo Olympics in the summer and then the Beijing Olympics in the winter. And the best part, I think, I've I've decided is just feeling so invested in the athletes and the sports and being able to root for them. And the whole room was cheering when the 17-year-old swimmer won the big upset. Just cool moments like that. So it was was truly unforgettable. Awesome experience. Yeah. But I did miss it. Was there a specific event that, like, caught your attention the most? Um... So the the 17-year-old swimmer, Lydia Jacoby, won the breaststroke, and it was absolutely insane. Um, 
I didn't watch it live because it was at 3 a.m. But when when Simone yeah. Biles won bronze on the beam and in her first return, people said watching it live was something they'll never forget. And that, that was just so cool. But it sounds cliche, but the atmosphere was just so cool. It was 11 o'clock at night and everybody was standing up cheering for all the swimmers and all the basketball players. So it was just it was really cool. So where awesome. about whereabouts were you like covering it? Were you Stanford, Connecticut? <laughs> the lovely Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah, it's you would be shocked about at how much production stuff they can do from home without having to be in Tokyo. Everybody had to work overnight. So I, I luckily had a day shift. I worked noon to midnight. But the girl the other girl I worked with worked eleven PM to eleven AM. So that got a little tough. But on yeah. the flip side, she got to watch everything live because Tokyo is 13 hours ahead. So give that's and take. Just, you know. That's just absurd. Yeah. To me. I guess yeah. just wild. I I couldn't. I, it was unfortunate because I couldn't watch some of it because I worked when it would be on. And then yeah. I was asleep when it was live. And it's just <laughs> like. I can't do anything. The time difference. The time, <laughs> time to, yeah. Make it so tough. Yeah. That's why LA in 2028 is going to be so nice. Because it's going to yeah. be three hours for us at least. Three hours. So easy. It's going to be about a half hour difference for me over on oh, the Pacific side. That's so even better. Be, so it's perfect. Yeah. It lines yeah, up exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Nice. I love it. Pat, did you catch any of the Olympics? I did. I was going to say, my day job is not as interesting as Emma's uh, over the summer. <laughs> but yeah, I, listen, the Olympics were a lot of fun. I really liked watching the Olympic soccer um, for both the, the men's and women's, of course. You know, watching the basketball with the U.S. men was awesome. Canada for the U.S. women's soccer. Very, yeah. uh, very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. A little bit of, uh, you know, David versus Goliath during mm. that game because yeah, it's uh, yeah it's something canada's never really been able to do like you guys have just been their kryptonite and they finally just like nudged one off of them and then eventually chipped away at the golden all game which is not to carry on too long but for christine sinclair it's like monumental for her it's like it's, out of everyone it's probably the person you're happiest most That's for so cool. is her because she's been playing for so long and she's never been able to get over the hump and it finally happened when she's just on the tail end of her career it's the best it, it, it wasn't even my country and i was thrilled to see canada it was just so, so cool it's definitely that might be my moment from tokyo that i think of is is them winning for for soccer so that was yeah. really cool uh, you know obviously always awesome when the olympics roll around and even cooler that emma got to play a part in it <laughs> that's actually like really cool i've because I listen to your guys' podcast like right when it comes out. And then when you guys are saying you guys are going on a break and all that, and I'm like, sometimes like people just, some people just take a break. I've seen podcasts do it all the time. They're like, yeah, I'm going to, like I have backloaded episodes or whatever, or like we're just going to take a couple weeks off here and there. But when you're saying you're covering the Olympics, I kind of thought, okay, maybe she's just going to take some time to like watch some of it without having to deal with the stress of like podcasting and all that sorts of stuff like something i kind of understand but you're right in the thick of it like you were. i was <laughs> so that's like a whole was. different that's it completely was a different thing <laughs> yeah there were some there were tough days so there was a uh, we watched the nba draft that was on the back in a little mm. bit of a lull and then obviously mlb trade deadline day was huge yep. it was on my phone trying to keep up with it but it was it was seriously all consuming i feel like i didn't read 
any sort of sports news for three weeks straight. So I got yeah. out of it and I, I started back up again and I'm going through here. I told Pat, <laughs> I didn't, I couldn't get too nitty gritty in our episode because I cannot look at game logs and box scores from two weeks ago. I got to just start now and see how yeah. it goes for the rest of the season. So like covering the Olympics, what was your day to day? Like, I know obviously you had to follow some stuff, but what was your job in all of it? Yeah. So I, my role is a digital affiliate editor. So Basically, NBC has over 250 local affiliate stations across the country, and I am the front-facing person for them if they have questions about editorial content. So I'm not necessarily writing the articles on NBCOlympics.com or creating the highlight videos or any of that, but we're distributing those to the affiliates so that they can use them on their own site because all these stations especially now don't have the resources to send people to tokyo um so we were just sending i mean tons of emails a day and then obviously the best part is that everybody has a tv on their desk and you just get to watch the sports as they're happening yeah it's not bad yeah not bad at all not a bad day job. No. No, and that's why we had to take a break because I'll bite the bullet and say I told Emma I was not going to record our shows at two or three in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's my fault. Um, but come that's, on, that's Pat, why let's take one for the team here. I, I should have. I really should have. But that is why we took a break. That is why we are so excited to be back. Totally. So uh, Pat, and all of this, what were uh, what were you up to, and um, and kind of what's what have you been up to lately and all that sort of stuff? I, I, I wish I could give you some really exciting stuff, um, but listen, I, I work I work my day job, um, which felt weird, you know, doing without recording. Uh, I was able to travel around a little bit, you know, knowing that I didn't have to, to podcast. I was on Long Island, was able to go to a concert, um, but got to play a little bit of golf and, and things like that. So was definitely able to work on my golf game a little more. Um, having go. the free time at night after work. Yeah, so it was positive. Um, and then I tortured myself by watching the New York Mets uh, every night, which has just uh, turned into a, a rough, rough situation. <laughs> uh, I know we'll talk about baseball in a little bit. So that was kind of me while, while I was between it. Pretty pretty normal, but, you know, it, a little weird to not be recording, uh, just being used to recording how many times a week, you know, mm -hmm. for the last how yeah. many months. <laughs> so definitely a little odd, but. You know, it's like I said, it just feels good to get try to get back into the routine of it. How's the golf game? Not good. Not good. <laughs> uh, working on it. Uh, I almost broke 100 when I was down in South Carolina, which is the, the goal. If I could break 100, I'd be very, very happy. I shot a 103 there. But oh, okay. we still we still got we still have many strides left to be taken in the golf game. Have you uh, have you invested in lessons at all? I have. I actually want I did them about a year ago, which was really great because it gave me, you know, more of a base to go off of because I'm yeah. still new to golf. Um, but it's something I want to get into more. Have you ever done it? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm in the midst of lessons right now. Are I, you? Yeah, I because I'm trying to do the same thing. I just like I want to be like respectable. That's like I don't wanna, I want. Yeah, That's all I want. I, I'm not I'm not trying to like go to the pro-am or something oh. like that like i'm just trying i'm just trying to be taken seriously when i'm going with some of my buddies exactly so i'm just trying to get into like the if i can get into like the like 80s like the oh, high phenomenal like, that's like, more than respectable like, no no but <laughs> like but like high like high 80s like 89 to like maybe high 80s low 90s because like some of my friends shoot that like pretty consistently and i'm like 
high 90s so it's something that's just like it's such a hard game it's, it's so hard. it's so annoying you look at it and you're like how hard can this be to hit yeah. this little white ball far <laughs> and straight oh it's really really hard <laughs> yeah it's like a stationary ball that's not moving and you yep. have something that helps you gain like 150 yards at a time and then you just somehow don't do it it's just it's impossible it's and something somehow, i'll never be able to figure it out i want to know why people thought it was a good idea to add sand and water to uh to what we're trying to deal <laughs> with i mean there's just no need for for these hazards around there golf's hard enough as it is <laughs> oh amen amen but we are not here to talk about golf and all that sorts of stuff nfl preseason got underway this past weekend and we got to see some of the rookie QBs in action and not just the QBs but a, lo- a bunch of other rookies uh popped off this past weekend but um first bit of NFL preseason what did you get uh what did you guys think Pat you go ahead yeah sure I, I can start things off so first you know it, it was cool to kind of see things move back into preseason a little more normal schedule you know obviously yeah. with things still being a little crazy last year when the season rolled around and schedule also being different now and only three weeks of, of the preseason with that 17th game get, getting added in. So I think things are, we're still adjusting to it. I mean, biggest takeaway I, I'd go from it. I don't love to put too much into it. As you said, it's just cool to see the rookies come out there and, and, and see some guys get some first snaps. I thought the, one of the most interesting ones to watch wasn't even a rookie. And that would be, you know, Jordan love with the Packers got his first real competitive yeah. action, obviously, with with no real preseason last year. We all know about the Aaron Rodgers situation, and that is headed towards uh, an ugly divorce um, coming sooner rather than later. So seeing what Love could do was really interesting. I thought he played pretty well. He did injure the shoulder a little bit. But they, they said it wasn't too bad. Um, that's kind of where I looked at it. What about you, Emma or Jevin? So I feel like I'm going with the obvious answer here, but I obviously wanted to talk about Trey Lance. And mm. the thing that blew me away actually was how poised he looked. He looked. I, I mean, he looked like he was born to do this. And he yeah. was given the reins, and this is his team, and he's going to throw the ball 80 yards down the field. And that's just another day at work. I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought he was poised in the pocket. I thought he had a really good control over the field in terms of um, – even even leadership. I thought he looked like a leader. And I don't think it's a small feat to look that comfortable out of the pocket. And I still think in a lot of the circumstances, I think the rookies won't start until week three or four, maybe even later in some cases like Mac Jones. But even if Jimmy G starts for the first few weeks, I think the 49ers are going to be just fine with Trey Lance, if not better than just fine. Yeah, I... Especially with how raw Lance is, like you yes. said, it was just such a big question mark about how he was going to look in, in his first snap. I know it might have been against twos and threes he was playing, but it's still a completely different level of action compared mm-hmm. to college and stuff like that. So seeing his performance, like, I mean, 5 for 14, 128 yards, a touchdown, uh, 93.7 rating and throw an 80-yard touchdown pass in there. Like, he just showed off what his potential could be, especially under Kyle Shanahan, Mm -hmm. who he's just had unfortunate luck at the QB situation, like at the QB position. Like, first year, Garoppolo got hurt, 
and then you had Nick Mullins, and then the second year his entire defense got hurt, and it's just like he hasn't been able to. And then the one year he had a completely healthy team, they went to the Super Bowl, right? They go to the Super mm-hmm. Bowl, exactly. So it just shows you how what this team's potential is, especially when Lance shows what he could be in the coming weeks. So it's just, this team's has a very bright future ahead. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a really good point about the polish too. Sorry, Pat. Mm-hmm. And that's no, why no. that's why you go up and you take a risk on a guy like him. And it's yeah. No, yeah. I I agree, and I really like that 49ers roster. I I think it's so solid. So I think a lot of it will come down to quarterback play. And I like that you spotlighted Lance because he's the one that I'm most interested in. Yeah. Because they took a risk picking him that high. They took him over Justin Fields, which is going to be the big comparison now for the two of them going for a, a long time. We know Mac Jones was linked to them for for a while as well, leading up to the draft. Lance is kind of the wild card of the quarterbacks is how I look at it. And yes, he was drafted very high, but we know about the competition. Listen, he was at a powerhouse for, for FCS, but it's not the same as, as the big Division One schools. He sat out the, the last season, so no one really saw you know a ton of, of Trey Lance. So I, he was definitely someone I wanted to keep an eye on this weekend, this past weekend, and someone I'm going to continue to follow because I want to see more of him. And I, I was impressed with, as you said, kind of the ability to command a huddle and, and kind of go out there on the field. And it was, of course, an, an awesome touchdown pass. But he's the one that I really want to watch because we don't have a lot of information on him. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. I, uh, I'm going to kind of uh, shout out my guy Hayden because we had this conversation uh, when I went on my friend's podcast uh, last week, we did over-unders. It was like a full NFL preview. And the 49ers came up. Mm. And he said, okay, they're over-under set at 11 and a half. And I thought that was a pretty decent amount of wins. But yep. with their whole entire defense coming back, and I put them at over 11 and a half. And he's he was kind of skeptical on it because he doesn't like the over. He thinks Shanahan's overrated, mm. which I don't necessarily Interesting. agree with. Yeah, because he spotlighted his one winning season, but then I spotlighted his two injury riddled seasons. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like very unfortunate. I wanted. What do you guys think of their over under at eleven and a half? It's tough. It's a tough number because it's so high. Yeah. It's it also is. tough that now there are more games so i'm trying to imagine yeah, you gotta factor in <laughs> what that would actually be man i think if everything goes right for them i guess this is a cop-out if everything goes right for them i'm definitely over i i don't think kyle shanahan is overrated at all i think he's one of the best football minds in the league easily i agree yeah, I, I mean, what are you supposed to do with with Nick Mullins and without George Kittle and without Bosa and the, on the other side of the ball? I'm not, I'm not sure where you're supposed to go from there. I, I'll go over. Yeah, and I think again, having the backup option of Trey Lance, even if you just need a spark, you've got young receivers, you've got such a good defense. I think the I think the Niners are going to be really good, and I think that's the best division. Oh, uh, it's toughest by division. far by far the best division in football, yeah. no doubt about it. But yeah, completely, completely agree. And all, because, all three of us are going to go boring here. I'm going to go over as well. Yeah, because I just think like when they did have a full roster with a, like dump off Jimmy G, they went 13 and three. And yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. I think they're more than capable of doing that again. And if anything, I think their offense is just going to get better, mm-hmm. especially with I think if they 
Trey Lance kind of does what he did, maybe polishes off a few more things, I think it's just another weapon because he can run, right? So I think I I like the over at 11 and a half, but it's definitely an interesting conversation. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to see what your guys' thought was. But, oh, um, I love overrunners. Another uh, QB I want to spotlight, and I'll kind of pass this over to Pat, um, Zach Wilson. Mm. Six for nine, 63 yards. Kind of just a standard showing from him. But what did you think? Because there's a lot of speculation. Should if they take Wilson at two? Should they trade it and keep Darnold after his first showing? What's your opinion? Yeah, so I did get to see a little bit of it because I am a Giants fan. So I was watching from the Giants perspective, which was a little painful to watch because Daniel Jones is not playing that game. So I cannot say that the Giants quarterback play was great. You can also, I'll just say it right now. You can also take the shot if Daniel Jones played. The quarterback play might have not have been great. So let me just put it out there and get in front of it before either of you put that one in there. Um, so watching Wilson, I Wilson intrigues me a lot. And why he does is because... It's just the arm talent that he has from watching his college highlights. The arm strength is off the charts, which is something that obviously plays in today's NFL so much. You think of the Josh Allen type comparison. He's definitely not the same physical type quarterback as Allen, much smaller. But I I love what I see there. I think he's got an ability to really maneuver in the pocket. It's he's not a speedster by any chance, but I thought you saw him move around, you know, and kind of sense the rush a little bit, which which is really important. I like I like Wilson. I do. I, I I don't know if the Jets have their superstar quarterback, but I think he gave them enough of a ceiling that I thought it was worth it to move on from Sam Darnold and take a chance here. I love Robert Sala if we want to go further out from that in in head coaching, and I think he's gonna make a really strong impact on that that team and that organization. I'm in on Wilson. Uh, I, I thought it was a, a solid enough performance. Listen, the Giants defense now in no way was that the top unit for the, the Giants. They did rest a lot of guys, but the Giants had a pretty good defense last year and they're expected to have a, a very strong defense again this year. So I uh, I liked what I saw. And it even helps because Zach Wilson's getting a few more weapons than what Darnold had. Just you know, a bit. Just <laughs> yeah. a bit. Yeah, he has the addition of Corey Davis, Jameson Crowder's still there. Then you have more and then you have Michael Carter in the backfield like a much more solidified offense to build around uh, Wilson. So I think he's in a way better position with, than what Darnold was in. Night Emma? Day. <laughs> yeah, you literally, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, especially in the preseason, what Wilson shows is so much less important to me than what everybody else around him does. Because then you, you put a guy like Carl Lawson on defense too. It's Zach Wilson's team. And it kind of surprised me that you said that about um, – Pat, whether he's going to be the quarterback of the future. Because I think if you're going away from Darnold and picking a guy two, you're at least putting a five-plus year investment on him. Right? I, I think you would have probably said that about Darnold going in, too. And I guess that's true. I guess that's and true. My, my message was not that I don't think they're going with Wilson. It's I don't know if he's a superstar quarterback. He's I, think he, to be the I think he can yeah. be good, though. That's where I was going with it. Yeah. But, I, I mean, you don't bring Corey Davis in. You don't draft mm-hmm. an Elijah Moore. You don't bring a Carl Lawson in. You could go on. Elijah Vera Tucker they should yeah, go for as exactly. well. Yeah, exactly. To trade up for him. I don't think you do that unless you have some type of confidence. And this is also the coaching move, too, bringing in Salah, who we're yeah. all so high on. Mm-hmm. Wilson's going to do the best he can, and you hope the talent around him is good enough to at least raise them to a higher level than they were last year, which I think they are already are. I mean— 
even if they just stopped at the coaching change, I think he's in a way better position. Yes. Anything <laughs> other than Adam Gates yes. is a huge True. step up. Let's be honest here. But um, going to branch away from Wilson and. Lawrence had a standard game, six for nine, 71 yards. He had a fumble, but first play of the game, he got a sack. I was unfortunate, too. Uh, we talked about Trey Lance. Justin Fields, he got rated the best out of the top five QBs pick. 14 for 20, 142 yards, two total touchdowns. Uh, he had a fumble. Um, he said that the game looked a lot slower than he anticipated, Uh it was against two and threes, and he did yeah, play a little bit. Pre-season. Yeah, <laughs> quite the statement for a preseason game. But what are your thoughts on Justin Fields? Emma, you want to start first? Yeah, I really, I think you're digging yourself quite a hole by saying something like that. I think yeah. he's gonna wake up whenever he plays yeah. and not be able to move one single muscle, and maybe regret what he said. Uh, I've always been super high on Fields, though. I think he's gonna be a really good player. I think he was the, the second best quarterback in this class. I didn't watch watch him live. I watched a few of the highlights, but I thought he looked pretty standard for where I thought he was gonna be. Yeah, well, to your point about waking up sore, if he does play week one, it's Sunday night football against Aaron Donald and the Rams. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how slow things are against that Rams defense if he is out there, though. I, I do have a feeling it'll be Andy Dalton at that point. Uh, I'm also a Fields believer. I, I really like Justin Fields. I think, as I said, I think he's the intriguing one that the Niners went with Lance over Fields. I would have gone with Fields if I was San Francisco there. Uh, was I blown away by Justin Fields in his first start? No. Uh, I mean, yes, of course, it was a nice job by him to move around in the pocket, open up lanes to be able to make the touchdown pass, but the guy was completely wide open on the left side of the field, so I think we could stop the parades a little bit there. Uh, but I think Fields has a really high ceiling. I think you're going to see him use his legs. He has a stronger arm than I think a lot of people give him credit for. I mean, he was a real gunslinger at Ohio State, and I will never forget that Ohio State-Clemson performance where he had broken ribs. I don't care what Ohio State says, uh, and he battled and brought them through. Uh, so I think Justin Fields a gamer. I have some high hopes for him, but uh, I'm also not ready to anoint him after uh, one preseason start. I'm the most happy for Allen Robinson because he finally is going to have a quarterback to yeah. throw him That's the ball. That's a great point. That's a yes. fantastic point. It's like – Especially after week three or whenever he comes in, Allen Robinson's finally going to get the he, – he's been the more underappreciated receiver mm-hmm. the past few years. He's had the fewest – like he's had some of the lowest drop percentages in the league, and he's had who's thrown him the ball, Trubisky. <laughs> like it's absolute boneheads throwing him the ball, and he yeah, finally has an – Yeah, he has an absolute <laughs> – player throwing him throwing to him now so i'm the most excited for him and i do agree that he's was the second qb coming out uh but behind um the number one rated qb mac jones right my guy <laughs> mac jones <laughs> our guy mac jones. my guy mac jones 13 for 19 87 yards i mean it was a lot of dump offs to him the Just standard patriot system 100 no but i think mac jones he he played very well, in my opinion. Like, yeah, the the ratio yards to completions isn't there. He had, like, four yards per attempt. But, I mean, he he just looked comfortable and uh, confident out there. And it kind of – the draft pick at the time was, like, pretty dicey 
to fans in general. Like he's going to be a bust right away. And Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. So let's not throw any shade on. And as soon as that's happened, I don't think it's fair to put a label on any rookie as soon as he's drafted. Like that's just not really fair to them. But I think he looked good. I think he fits the Patriots the best out of any team he could have gone to. But what are your guys' thoughts on Mac Jones? I, I would be remiss if I didn't let Emma start this with Mac, so please. <laughs> I think, thank you. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, <laughs> I think calling him calm and confident is quite literally the best confident, I mean, mm-hmm. the, excuse me, the best compliment you could give him. Because it's all the jokes about anointing him as the next Tom Brady, but he does have Tom Brady's build. He, he literally could be the next Tom Brady. Of course, the skill levels are maybe not even in the same universe right now. But he's not versatile. He's not very mobile. He's not going to go out of the pocket. He's not going to make Patrick Mahomes-like throws. He's just going to throw the ball down the field. He's going to stay calm. He's going to make the smart play. And I think Belichick's system is perfect for him. The other thing that I'm really excited about is Cam Newton and Mac Jones could not be any more different. So what's it going to take for Belichick? I think Cam is the the week one starter. What's it going to take to switch? from cam to mac the play calling style is so different you basically have to have two separate offenses and i don't think that's as easy as bill belichick being the best coach of all time i think that's going to take a lot of work it's not something as oh let's just put trey lance in there as a spark mix things up taste some some hill effect you got to really switch things around if mac jones is going to be your quarterback after cam newman yeah i agree i think the route running amongst wide receivers and their route trees are going to have to change a lot mm-hmm. like yeah. they're going to have to go a lot more like under routes and a bit more of wheel routes or um, like screen passes it's going to have to completely change right but what i like about mac jones and a lot of people are hard on him but i think he is holds the one trait that is most important in a quarterback and that's iq in the pocket and yep that's the number one thing that you can't teach amongst the quarterback, and I think that's what Mac Very Jones has. Yes. So, like, you can talk about Trey Lance and Justin Fields' athleticism and mm-hmm. nope. Lawrence and Wilson's arm talent and stuff like that, but between the ears, it's something you can't really teach a person, and that's, I think, Mac Jones's best attribute. So I think that's going to just... I think that gives him a bigger floor like a higher floor amongst all the other quarterbacks because he has something more to build off of compared to the others that makes sense no i i I think agree with everything (laughs) i think that's great and i love that you touched on the tools because i think we look at it and you can it's very easy to get caught up in you know say the ability to move around like a lance or a fields has or just that explosive arm that zach wilson has but you look at mac jones and we talk about you know people getting credit that Alabama offense with him at the helm was one of the best offenses we've ever seen in college football and how he was able to commit. Nick Saban runs a very pro style offense. So, you know, system wise, that's going to work. And I think system wise uh, is also really important. And as you brought up, it, it feels like a perfect fit in New England with what they run. I mean, look at the other the quarterbacks. Why I have some confidence in Trey Lance, because he's going with Shanahan. Why I love Trevor Lawrence I'm a little nervous with the system fit with Urban Meyer. I, I, I think that's a very awkward marriage down there in Jacksonville. But you look at Mac Jones in, in New England, 
and it feels like schematically you just cannot get a better fit. And I think yeah. that's exciting. And as you said, it raises his floor to what I think could be very competent quarterback play. And it, it's funny we say competent. Well, is competent good enough? Think about how many incompetent incompetent quarterback play we've seen over the last couple of years and how that hamstrings teams. And I think Jones can give them solid enough play with that roster should be good enough. We know they spent a ton of money in free agency this winter. They could be right there. And so, as Emma said, very interesting to see how long the leash is with Cam Newton before going to Jones. But even if it's not a this year thing and it's a next year thing, it's it's absolutely something to follow. Yeah. Can I say one more thing, too? It yeah, sure. made me so mad when the whole narrative around Mac Jones at Alabama was that he's only as good as Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, that's not, make him. It's not fair. First of all, imagine what Trevor Lawrence would have been like with those guys, right? You, yeah. you automatically get into a different ceiling. But Bill Belichick is playing to his strengths. And if he knows that Mac Jones is going to fall to him, even if he doesn't, he's surrounding himself, he's surrounding Mac if Mac's going to be the guy with players that he knows he can work with, the John o. Smith types, the Hunter Henry types, the guy you can switch up your playbook, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. Tom Brady struggled when Julian Edelman was his top receiver in New England. Bell Belichick's yeah. going to enhance the offense so that Mac Jones isn't set up to fail. It's never going to be like that in New England. It's always going to be the dynasty. But just because Mac Jones had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell didn't mean he's only as good as his receivers. But on the mm -hmm. flip side... Bill Belichick isn't going to give him only aging Julian Edelman. He, he helped him out a little bit this offseason. A little bit. But so when you think talk about this Alabama offense last year, they still had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle when they had Tua. And they were yep. talking about that offense on a whole nother level than when Tua was on the QB at the helm. So I just has to show you that Mac Jones, he had – that presence that carried that team to the next level. So he had something to do with that offense and that team in general. So you can't just put everything on Devontae Smith because I think that I think Jalen Waddle getting injured only helped Devontae Smith. I don't think he wins the Heisman when with Jalen Waddle healthy. Yeah. Because obviously the targets and are completely split. So I think Mac Jones has to, deserves a bit more credit than when he's getting for his uh, success at Alabama. But I th yeah, and, and by the way, Mac Jones did just fine when Jalen Waddle went out too. So. Exa exactly. Exactly. And last thing on this about Bill Belichick, he noticed that like he's like, hey, I know that we're capable or have the opportunity to get Mac Jones at around 15. Probably, like no one knows better than the staff in front office, but he gets what Patriots had most success with a two tight end system. So he goes out and gets Henry, goes out and gets John Smith and gets some manageable pass catches in Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers should take another step. And then you get the top two tight ends on the market and Henry and John Smith. So I think he just puts Mac Jones in a better situation to succeed. And look what happened when they had Aaron Hernandez and Gronk. I know Smith and Hunter Henry aren't Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, but I mean that system seemed to work out pretty well. So why not try it again, right? Totally. He's yeah. a genius. He finally loosened the purse strings a little bit. He and did. I think it's going to pay huge dividends. Amen. But um, 
I uh, did. You guys have any sleeper picks uh, that you kind of liked amongst the first week of preseason? Because I have a guy that stood out to me that I've had my eyes on since the beginning of this college class. I want to hear yours first. I was say I kind of threw mine out there with Jordan Love already, so I'd love to hear yours. <laughs> Sam Ellinger for the Indianapolis oh, Colts. Oh, Texas boy. He is a guy that I've paid attention to coming out of high school due to the Elite 11 like YouTube series, and he was in the class with like two uh, Mac Jones and like those guys. And he was a guy that I, I just liked how he played. He was not afraid to put the shoulder down. And I think he's going to be like a career backup. I don't think like, he might have some starting jobs, but I don't think he's going to be anything like a Fields or uh, Lance or Wilson. But, man, this guy's a competitor. And if the Patriots took like a position player at 15 – and then waited to draft Ellinger in like the fourth round, like he was drafted. I wouldn't have been upset because wow. I just I love Ellinger so much. Obviously, the styles fit a bit different, but he was ten for fifteen, hundred and fifty-five yards, and he threw an interception. But he had eight rushes for thirty yards, and he like rushed on a two-point conversion too. So he's like not afraid to put the shoulder down, and he's just ferocious. So he stood out to me, and. He's just seen, he's going to surprise a lot of people, and he's the guy I've been high on for a very long time. I like That's that. a really good point, and you know what's working out really well for him? He might actually start in week one if Carson Wentz <laughs> isn't ready. So yeah. it might not even be a sleeper pick. He might actually get some some time this year if Carson Wentz doesn't progress as well as people think. That's exactly. That's a really good point. I'll throw out there one more name because I was genuinely impressed by this, and it's someone that's basically been forgotten at this point but Dwayne Haskins obviously you know first round pick of, of Washington from a couple years ago a lot really high expectations signed with the Steelers and played really well in week one which I think was nice to see because Haskins no he has not been good and he certainly has not helped himself with how he's acted on and off the field as well but you know kind of hoping that in, in a much more stable situation as Pittsburgh's franchises that things are able to kind of solidify around him and I thought this was a really nice first step now listen he's not starting over Ben but if he might be better than Mason Rudolph <laughs> I, so I think he's better than Mason Rudolph there you I, go like uh, I was a Mason Rudolph truther in college I thought he was going to be decent but he's like he's had opportunities to prove yes. it and he just hasn't in my opinion he has not <laughs> nope Nope. So I, I think that's an interesting backup job to watch is if Haskins can beat him out for that. I like that. I Because I think Haskins is like I relate him a lot to Jameis Winston because he sucked as a starter and he just needed that time behind a, a veteran who has been in the league, who's had success in the league to kind of teach him the ropes, show him the discipline he needs because he never really got that as a rookie. And Jameis didn't suck, but he did throw 30 picks. His discipline sucked. Like, it wasn't it wasn't good, right? Yeah, he threw 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. I said the 30 for 30 season. Never yeah, forget. Exactly. So I think Jameis Winston's going to take another step because he's sitting behind Drew Brees, and obviously Brees is one of the more disciplined quarterbacks to ever play, right? And I think Winston needed that. The same Haskins will need this to sit behind Ben and kind of a few life lessons along the season. <laughs> so I think this is just going to help him, you know, get a second chance in the NFL. 
Yeah, and you guys have mentioned it. I'll make it very explicit on and off the field. He needs some some serious yes. off the field stability yeah. too. And I think Tomlin is is a really good guy for that. Ex- I mean, exactly. I was when I heard that the Steelers signed Dwayne Haskins, I was absolutely crushed. I couldn't believe it. He is not the future. I was so upset. Wanted them to go after somebody in the draft instead. And I didn't watch his preseason, but I think he can I, I, with time. I think he can actually turn into somebody that is maybe a step higher than Mason Rudolph. And if that <laughs> gets hurt or if there's a transition period when he does retire and the next heir is coming up, I think he is maybe better than a stop gap. And, you know, that's maybe the best compliment I can give him right now. I thought another QB that Pittsburgh could have gone after was Josh Rosen. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. another guy that needs, uh, you know, time behind a vet because he was tossing some of the worst situations of all time. And yes. now he's, and now he's blackballed from the league. It's like, he, he, never, a chance. he never got yeah. an opportunity. Arizona was the worst team in the league. He got thrown into that and then he got cut for Kyler Murray and then he got thrown to Miami who was worse than the league. And then now he's just on a, he's a practice squad quarterback. Like I just don't think he really deserved, he, he didn't get a chance anywhere. So I, I think agree. if he if he got time to sit behind, he was one of the highest. He had the highest ceiling of the quarterback in his class. People were saying like they think Josh Rosen's gonna have the best career. Blah 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 blah. But he he never got a bloody chance in the league. And I think Pittsburgh would be. They have a nice young core in Juju, Claypool, Washington. Like they have a nice roster, especially with Najee. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. I think signing Josh Rosen could help them. And I think he has a higher potential than Rudolph. He just never had a chance. That's a great point. So, yeah, it is. Yeah, those are that's the NFL preseason talk amongst all the rookies and stuff like that. But um, Tim Tebow got cut today from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this was kind of expected amongst everyone. <laughs> yeah. But I think everyone deep down was hoping they'd see some regular act, regular season action. Tim Tebow. At least I was. There's a lot of bets that. Tim Tebow was going to be the first touchdown for Trevor Lawrence, I, I all that sorts that. of stuff. That would have been great. <laughs> Just all, that would have been phenomenal. The storylines would have been <laughs> for the whole season. <laughs> Urban Meyer would have exploded if his Literally. new quarterback threw his first touchdown pass to his old college quarterback. I'm not sure Urban would have made it through the game. <laughs> I told you so. I told you so. Oh, my God. That would have been an absolute... That would be that'd be mayhem. That would be mayhem. We're robbed of that moment. It's heartbreaking. We we truly were. <laughs> but um this podcast, we're gonna throw a bit of a curveball, no pun intended. But uh we're I going like to it. the we're going to the MLB. This is the first time I've truly discussed MLB in depth on this podcast, and I waited specifically to have you guys on to talk about this. And there's just been a lot of storylines this season. I listen to a lot of baseball podcasts, more so one, but they talk about it every single day. So I get a lot of updates and it's just the injuries, teams not performing the way they should have, teams overperforming. And I also listen to you guys, too, and you guys are deep into baseball. So that helps a lot. But but um, let's just start off light. Um. Not too long ago, a few nights ago, the Field of Dreams game. Yankees versus White Sox. Uh, what did you guys think about that? I thought that was insanely cool and like absolutely amazing. But I want to hear your guys' two cents about it. 
Pat, you go ahead because I have a actually a dark secret about it. So you can. Oh start. no, you got me afraid now. But <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I loved it. I mean, I I thought it was phenomenal. Baseball's tried this thing over the last couple of years where they have played games in, in different locations. You know, they've played in Puerto Rico, they've played in Fort Bragg. You know, they've done the Little League Classic, which they're doing again this weekend, coming out in Williamsport, PA. They've moved around a little bit, but. They haven't had anything that's had the traction like this. And a part of it is just the magnitude of Field of Dreams and the movie itself is really cool. But baseball often gets in their own way. They did everything right this time. I mean, the field was beautiful. Having the the White Sox go with the, the old uniforms and the Yankees doing the old uniforms as well was great. Having Kevin Costner there was very, very cool. Um, you know, having it just for people from Iowa was great. They nailed it, and you know they nailed it because the ratings came back, and it was the biggest, more most watched regular season baseball game since what was it 2004? I, I want to say I was the year. Sure. It was, yeah, it was, it was something like that. It was 04 or 05. So people cared about this, which is great because that's what baseball's biggest struggle in the regular season. It is 162 games. It is hard to get people to consistently tune in for these regular season games, and they got it for this. So the one thing I would ask is that we just make it an annual thing and you can you can they're doing it again next year which is great that they're, cubs, they're bringing it cubs versus reds i believe cubs reds exactly uh i i would have gone away from the chicago team there after having the white <laughs> they traded their whole entire fucking yeah. team this <laughs> <laughs> i'm fine with the reds i thought the cubs was a strange a strange ad unreal, uh, unreal. yeah it really, really was but like let's do it yearly you know let's just say for and instead of just a game let's do a series and let's pick the teams out there and have them use that field over and over again i think it'd be great for baseball this was really cool and as i said baseball loves to try and tear itself down they completely no pun intended hit it out of the park on this one <laughs> If I could just say one thing, I just really hope they don't go the NHL route and then say like, "Oh, the Winter Classic's a hit. Let's have let's add ten more. Let's <laughs> have nine outdoor games a year. Yeah, and completely dilute. Yep, the special fiasco of the Winter Classic. It's like the Winter Classic was the most looked forward to game of the year mm-hmm. in the NHL, and now it's just like another thing because there's. Why are we having a stadium series in L.A. when the ice is melting in the second period? Because it's, <laughs> it's so hot. It's like it doesn't make sense. It's just it loses its thing. So I just hope MLB doesn't do that. Like, don't surpass three because the NHL yeah. still has like a heritage classic game where it's a Canadian yes. matchup. But just don't. Great. Yeah, don't like have like nine like games in different locations because then it just completely loses its excitement. So I hope they just have the Field of Dreams game and then maybe one other interesting one, but that's a fair uh, point. Yeah. I just hope they don't go that route. But I the Field of Dreams game is A one. You could do Emma, other movie, you could do other movies. You yeah. Know, mix the things Sandlot. up a little bit. They'd yeah. Sandlot. Sandlot would be a cool one. Yeah. I wanna repeat something Pat said because it Uh-oh. is worth saying twice. Oh, MLB often gets in its own way, yes, and they, do. they did this right. Like, not, I, not a person had a bad thing to say about nope. it. And nope. honest to God, I don't remember the last time something like that happened. And you remind the uh, Red Sox Yankees played in London a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and that was yep. really cool too. 
people just like when something new happens, right? That's the bottom line. Put something cool. My deep, dark secret is that I've never seen Field of Dreams. Oh. I know. So it didn't have the the cornfields, didn't do it for me like it did for everybody else. But from the actual game perspective, that might have been the best regular game season that, that we've that had this year. So that obviously helps with the, with the White Sox walk-off. It was just cool. I, people love the Yankees. I think the White Sox are a big market team, too. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe when the Cubs-Red matchup came out, truly. I, I couldn't believe it. It makes me want to put my head in my hands and just wonder <laughs> what they're possibly doing. But I think the teams really matter. Unfortunately, if you're going to do small market teams, it's not going to have the same effect. And maybe yeah. you build up to that and you try and fix it in other ways. But like Pat said, I am also I, I hate ratings. I hate the ratings discussion. It is not up to the fans to decide how important ratings are. It's not. With that being said, this is really good for baseball because it's making people care. If you had an ideal matchup for a Field of Dreams game, what would it be, Emma? Red Sox Yankees. <laughs> Red Sox Yankees. Or at this point, or Dodgers Padres, I think would be really good too. That would be cool. I think it's tough to have. I like that they, I would keep at least one kind of Midwestern team in there just with the whole Iowa feel. Oh, I, I yeah, think that's, that's true. So I would, I would keep that, but I think it's a little wild that baseball had the option to pick whoever and they didn't go with the Padres or the Angels to either put Tatis or Trout and Otani in that game for next year. It's just, if that feels like a bit of a missed opportunity, um, but I don't want to turn it into a negative thing for baseball. I think it's great. <laughs> they did this but- they if did you this could change that. Right. <laughs> yeah. But Emma, to tag along with you, I haven't seen Field of James either, okay. so I that's have. okay. <laughs> and I uh, have another thing. I haven't seen Sandlot in a while, and I kind of forget a lot about from the movie, so I'm going to have to watch it again. But I have I seen it just in – it was a while ago, and I'm going to have to, you know, reduce the mind about the movie because I haven't yeah. seen it in a while. But – um. The playoff race has been absolutely unreal in some divisions. And um, we can start in the AL. Tampa's up. And this seems like the more most competitive in terms of, like, Boston, Yankees, and Toronto seem to all be in the race for the division. But what's been, like, your storyline from the AL East? Oh. And kind of, like, just the teams in the races, because I know Vladdy's was mm-hmm. in the hunt for the Triple Crown, and he's second at plus 700 for the MVP, and then Yankees kind of been underperforming this year, and then Boston has always kind of been streaky. Like It seems like they're going to make a run, but then they kind of seem to slow down quite a bit, and then... I mean, Baltimore's close, too, 33 games back, so who yeah, knows? Yeah, they're coming. I mean, <laughs> Just give them time. Just give them time. <laughs> Love that. I, oh, but over, I, over on the AL East, what have you guys thought about it? I would say, I think he kind of hit it. Your storyline is, and I don't want to take it from Emma, is just how competitive it is. And I think that's awesome because uh, going into the year, I think a lot of people were concerned about some baseball races and some division races. Uh, I'm laughing as we say this because we actually just recorded basically on this for our <laughs> show as well. Um, it's fresh in the mind then. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's obviously a good topic if we're going to hit it twice. Yeah, so exactly. uh, the, just it's awesome to be able to watch and know that division goes four teams deep. 
you know, and that we don't know how this thing's going to break out the the last six weeks of the season. Everyone's uber competitive. The Yankees are back on the map. The Blue Jays are going to hit the hell out of the ball. The Rays do what the Rays do. The the Red Sox to to what Emma's going to talk about with that their pitching has been better. It's just it's the best division. Or it's tough with the National League West. It is just a great race to be able to watch because of how competitive it is. And while the NL West, you know, we talk about how great it is, is three teams deep with that race the AL East is four teams deep Mm -hmm. good distinction I haven't thought about it like that before actually I've been saying I think the NL West is a better division because I think the Dodgers the Padres and the Giants maybe not the Padres as they are right now healthy Padres can beat all four of those teams but I think the AL East race is more exciting than the NL West race I was gonna say pitching is I think the biggest storyline because I really think it's going to come down to the best rotation and uh, that comes along with injuries, but I'm actually going to pivot and you saying four versus three made me think this. I think the most exciting storyline is the young talent in the AL East. I love it. I'll start with the Orioles. We haven't seen it yet, which is a good thing because they're so bad. (laughs) Adley Rutschman is the best prospect in the game. He's going to be up next year. Mm -hmm. The Rays have, I mean, literally one in two, Wander Franco is either the best or the second best prospect in the game with Adley Rutschman. Plus they have Shane Baz, plus they have Tyler Walls, plus they have Vidal Bruhan. You could literally go in, on and on. Best farm system in the game. That's the blanket yep. statement. The Red Sox have, in my mind, the most underrated player in baseball in Rafael Devers. Amen. Plus they have Tristan Cassis, who just won a silver medal for Team USA. And Jaron Duran, who's one of the fastest players in baseball. Didn't he then, hit a inside the park home run like a few starts? Did Duran? Who? Jaron Duran? Yeah, that I'm was pretty Brett sure. Phillips. Brett Phillips hit an inside the park home run. I think. Maybe, yes. maybe that's who I was thinking. Yeah. For the Rays, yeah, but, still same division. For though, the Rays, so. Brett Phillips is he deserves a, a, an entire podcast about himself. He's my Cy Young for his one Brett his Phillips. one pitching performance. Um, and then the Yankees have the Martian. In Jason Dominguez, that's what people are calling him because he's literally otherworldly. Am I? Did I say all the teams? Oh, and then and then Blue Jays. Oh yeah, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Him. I I I think it's so exciting. I think this is going to be literally a decade long the dynasty of the AL East. It makes me so excited. Do you guys know uh, Blue Jays prospect Curtis Taylor? No. No, not familiar. He is a right-handed pitcher from UBC. My sister's friend. Oh, sweet. Yeah, oh, that's take, so cool. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not good buddies with him, but I'm familiar with him. We talk whenever we see each other, and he got drafted by Arizona, and then traded to Tampa, and then traded over to Toronto. So he's nice. like in their system right now. So it's kind of cool. I'm kind of hoping to see him come up pretty soon. But he's like he's a he reminds me of Cindergard. He just throws heat, and then it's a good so, call. Yeah, I'm so look he, out for him. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool. Yeah, so uh, hope hopefully he's successful in the league sooner than later. But um, but yeah, I lots of exciting teams, especially when Tampa had the recent success going to the World Series, right? So I think that's just like a good thing to build off of, especially if they're winning the division right now. But I've had enough um, of Tampa. 
throw a hockey and tip ball baseball. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it fair. anymore. It's the Tom Brady effect, man. <laughs> it's just, it's not fair. He, he, whatever city he's playing in, they just have success. When he was playing for the University of Michigan, that's when Detroit was an absolute dynasty. And then he goes to <laughs> New England, and then Boston's winning a cup. Like, And then he goes to Tampa, Super Bowl, it's back-to-back cups. World yeah. Series appearance, NBA actually, Finals appearance. It's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. It, it's it's insane. Like it's it's so dumb. But I love Brady. <laughs> but um, AL Central. This one's kind of a bit more wide open. But Chicago White Sox have kind of been carrying it away. But how can you describe the AL Central kind of in a in a nutshell? Uh, the best way I would describe it is that it is the one we talk about the least. <laughs> Because I think these teams are the farthest away. I think it's going to be a long time before we see any sort of contention from the Tigers. Uh, With that being said, I think they are, they have a really exciting young pitching core, but are they officially the Guardians? I think next season they're going to be the Guardians. Yeah. I, I think Cleveland is going to be in a, in a rebuild, even though they won't call it that. Uh, I think the White Sox are going to win the AL Central for years and years and years. At the beginning, we were talking about them a lot because of how bad the Twins were. And Mm -hmm. the Twins' trajectory has been completely flipped on its head because I thought going into this year, the Twins were going to win the Central over the White Sox. So that, that was the only weird point. But other than that, it's just been how good the White Sox are. So what makes the White Sox who they are? What makes them a dominant team amongst this division? You want me to take that, Pat? <laughs> I say I'm smiling as I say it because I can sum it up as uh, your future World Series champions are coming out of that division. And it was the Chicago White Sox who I picked in our season preview to win the World Series as well. And what, what makes them so good is their lineup is very deep. And we're seeing it now finally come into effect because Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez have been out for most of the season. They just came back and Eloy Jimenez is annihilating baseballs since he came back is going to be definitely a contender for August player of the month. And then you look at that rotation and they added Lance Lynn uh, in the off season, who has been a complete horse for them. He's got one of the best uh, earned run averages in all of the AL. Carlos Rodon has been really, really good this year when he's been healthy. Dylan Cease has been solid for them. Michael Kopech out of the bullpen. They're still figuring out if they want him to be a reliever or a starter throws absolute gas. They went out and they added Craig Kimbrell, to go with Liam Hendricks, one of the best closers in, in, in all of baseball. The White Sox are so good because <laughs> they are as close to a complete team as there is. And it's hard to have a complete team. And they just – they have all facets that are they're, – they're fun to watch. The The scariest part about them is their manager. Mm-hmm. And and he, he made headlines earlier in the season for, for how he handled uh, Yerman Mercedes. But they're, they're winning. So I, I would say that he's also having a positive impact on them. I, I, we could spend a whole time on the Chicago White Sox, so I will get off my soapbox right now. But my, uh, they're my, exciting. My favorite thing to say about the White Sox is that I would have put money down and I would have been very excited to talk about Liam Hendricks, Lucas mm-hmm. Giolito, and Lance Lynn all season long. They're three best arms, and even Michael Kopech. Instead, we've been talking about Carlos Rodon, yep. Dylan Cease, and Garrett Crochet. It is oh, a luxury to have yeah. that type of depth. And that's why the I, Pat hit it on that. The White Sox are without a doubt the deepest team in baseball. 
Interesting. Interesting. That's a because there's known as such a traditional um, team amongst MLB, so it's kind of cool to see them there. I feel like they were always. It's like the Islanders and the Rangers. I feel like the White Sox are always tucked behind the Cubs. They are. At least from my point of view. No, they definitely so, are. So it's like almost like everyone thinks of the Cubs when they think of Chicago, but and then the Rangers when you think of New York. Yep. But then But then the team that's always tucked behind is the better team. Like the Islanders have finished top four in the last two years, but the Rangers that. get all the love. And then the White Sox are World Series favorites or at least well, in Pat's contenders. Head. In my head, in yes. Pat's in my head, head they're World Series <laughs> Like <laughs> contenders, but yeah. then everyone thinks of the Cubs. That's why I think about the White Sox. So hearing them be up there in terms of to win it all, it was very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, the AL West, Houston is um, leading the pack with Oakland two and a half games back. I think what I've heard at least, and this is through podcast buddy Ian McNaughton, uh, being from Seattle, Washington, he's been very vocal about the Mariners, and I've—they've overplayed their prediction, if I'm Way not mistaken. You so, are not. So, um, just give me your two cents about the AL West and kind of what's happened and if it's gone the way you've thought. It's funny because these seem like such standard questions, but I've never actually been asked if the AL West has gone as I as I thought it was. Like I, I really like that. I think the Astros are just as good as I thought they would be. I think the Astros are one of the best teams in the league, at least one of the best offenses. The A's have been surprisingly good. They're always kind of a scrappy playoff contender, mm-hmm. and I think this year they could legitimately make a deep run in, in the postseason. And the A's are actually reminiscent of the White Sox in terms of they don't have a star. And that's what makes the White Sox so fun to root for, too. You could say that Tim Anderson is maybe their biggest star. And do you even know who that is, Jevin? No. Yeah, I didn't like not in a condescending (laughs) way at all. Just like Tim Anderson is in a different tier as opposed to all the baseball players we can name off the top of our heads. And on the A's, you would maybe say that Matt Olson is their their top player, Matt Chapman. And these guys aren't stars. And they're no. small at market teams that do that. And I that's my favorite part about them. Uh, Pat, I'll let you take the Mariners. I still can't wrap my head around it. I think it's catching lightning in the bottle. But I think their future is so, 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 so bright. But that's the thing. It's catching lightning in a bottle, but it's further than that because we're sitting here on August 17th and yeah. they're still there, which which is amazing. Games in. Yeah. It, it really is because I was expecting a very poor season from them, and I think a lot of people were expecting a very poor season from them. But they've found a way to, to hang in there in a tough American league, mind you. I mean, we said the, the American League East is so good. The American League West, they're dealing with the Astros and the A's. The, the Angels aren't good, but they're also not easy. You know, to, to go up against with how they hit, and the Mariners have have really treaded water, and you know, are, are being able. They're sitting there over 500. Their trade deadline strategy was obviously, it, you know, came under a lot of scrutiny with Kendall Graveman getting getting traded away and getting traded to the Astros. Then they make the trade with the Rays for Castillo, which is just shocking in its own right. So, but it's Jerry Depoto. You know, Jerry Depoto does what Jerry Depoto does out there. Uh, I I love your question, Jeff. Did the division go the way I thought it would go? 
I would say Houston is better than I thought it was. I thought they were in decline, and they have shown, especially offensively, they are just on fire. I remember I, you saying that in your mm-hmm. uh, prediction. Oh, I, I own it. I Listen, I'll tell you that I think the White Sox are going to be really good at the beginning of the season. I thought the uh, the Astros were going to take a step back, and they haven't. I was high on the A's, and I, in a way, I think I've been proven right so far where they've been very good. It's just the Astros are so good uh, on offense that uh, I, I think the Astros – while I thought the A's would win the division, I do think the, the Astros are going to win the division at this point, but I think Oakland will take a wild card spot. Same. And it's not it's not a slight on Seattle either. It's just dealing with the teams they have to deal with, with Boston, Oakland, New York, Toronto, all really competing for those two wildcard spots. I think it's just too much to ask for for them. Fair enough. That's uh, I kind of want to wrap up the AL because a storyline started. Um, in this division with Garrett Cole and the spider attack situation. <laughs> and I I listened to a bunch of things on it, and, but I have, like, one question. Mm-hmm. And do you think they should have done what they did and started banning it and checking for it, or should they have rid out the rest of the season and then banned it in the off season? Oh, you are opening quite the can of worms, yes. so we will take it. We will we will go as, as concise as we can. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did an entire podcast episode about this. Exactly. I think it was, we were the most proud of any episode we've ever recorded on this one. Yeah, we called cool it episode. How to Fix Baseball. Um, it is also shocking that Pat and I have been recording for two hours and we haven't talked about sticky stuff that usually I know, happen. right? Uh, absolutely, without a doubt, the second part of what you said. I think it mm-hmm. was... I think it was basically a crime for baseball to crack down on sticky stuff as immediately as they did, because even if it was baseball's dirtiest secret, the best kept secret, whatever you want to call it, to go cold turkey is putting players at risk because no pitcher has ever thrown with nothing on the ball. And Pat and I have been very clear. We obviously... Do not condone cheating. We do not condone giving pitchers the advantage. There is a moral line. I see the line. I'm not going to cross it. But using sunscreen and a little bit of rosin to get a grip on the ball, this is where Pat and I disagree a little bit. I actually think it puts hitters at risk when you go cold turkey because if, if pitchers can't even get a grip on the ball, they lose their command. They lose their velocity, which is the point. The end goal for me was I don't know how baseball wins. If pitchers start giving up 12 runs a start, is that a win for baseball? No. Mm. They they gave themselves this problem because offense is down, which exactly. means ratings are down. And that's yeah. where you get the whole the whole problem. And that's why I feel so strongly about ratings, because it ends up changing the way baseball is played. And I don't think that's how it should be. Yeah, that's uh, listen. You you basically hit all the points there. Uh, I am no no. You're fine. You did a great job with it. I, I am completely for you know cracking down on this stuff. I think it was a really rough ask to do so in the middle of the season on the players. I I think that was that was hard. And Emma was 100 percent right. Why they did it is because they panicked and offense was so bad for the first two months of the season. Historically bad for the first two months of the season that they felt they needed to step in and and give it a jolt. And that's what they went with. 
The one thing I'm happy with the crackdown is because it brought a lot of drama with the Max Scherzer and uh, Girardi. That was fantastic. Yeah, it was that hilarious. Was yeah. I, I was in the I was in the gym and I was watching that. And obviously, I'm not. I wasn't necessarily completely in tune with baseball, but I I knew that they were cranking like cracking down on it and all that. And they were doing a check before every game, so, like sporadic moments, like different innings, all that yep. sort of stuff. You never really knew when it was going to happen. And then it happened with Scherzer once, and he's like, okay, check the glove, check the hat, check the whatever. And then came back again. He's like, are you serious? Like, whatever. <laughs> like, gave him all his stuff. And then again, he just starts stripping down, taking off his hat. And then he wants him to check his hair, and they're going after each other. I was laughing just it was, so hard. It was hilarious. Uh, it was just like seeing the whole situation i'm like this is ridiculous and then it was a part of a series and the next game max scherzer's in the dugout and he's yelling at bryce harper and stuff and telling the ump to check his hair and all that sorts yeah. of stuff and it was it was amazing so that's one thing that i saw that i really wanted to point out <laughs> yeah pants was, were pulled down way too many pants were pulled yeah, down during that yes. whole thing <laughs> yes it was it was completely different than what I was expecting to happen yes, <laughs> in the same. in the baseball season. But uh, we'll shift over to the NL East. Uh, Atlanta has is a game and a half, and from an outside perspective, I think this one carries a lot of. It's a roller coaster of a oh, yeah. division for me, and. I'm obviously not the most educated as listeners and you guys know, but I'm trying to get into it. But Philly, like Bryce Harper is Mm -hmm. like taking a resurgence in the season. He's getting better and better as it goes on. And he's kind of rid himself into second for NL MVP. And then the Nats trade their entire team in the midst of a rebuild. Mm -hmm. And then the Mets had high expectations going in and then, in, like injuries have kind of hampered them and then Atlanta I didn't know they were as good as they are to be leading the division so what what like how do you describe this division because I think there's a lot of different things going on at once I'm gonna go with it just say the word it's a dumpster fire there it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah roller coaster is too nice of a word it is a dumpster fire I appreciated roller coaster <laughs> I like <laughs> yes uh Dumpster fire is probably the correct way to put it. These, it's gonna no no. You it's it's uh it's gonna come down to those three teams. It's gonna come down to Philly, Atlanta, and New York. None of the three are particularly good. In, in all honesty, all of them have pretty glaring weaknesses. Um, which in a way is a disaster, and in a way also makes it really fun to watch because you know that they're all taking time bombs and they can go off at one time. Just what you're seeing right now is Atlanta and Philly are both hot and the Mets are ice cold. Uh, there is definitely a chance that that changes by the time we get to the end of the season, knowing the makeups of both of those teams. As we go towards the end of the season, I think the mo- my most confidence would be in the Braves. Just what we, we've seen with their offense that they tried to completely rework at the trade deadline. I still don't trust their pitching and their like full-on pitching staff. But if you're making me pick out of those three right now, that is where I would go. Yeah, I also picked the Braves. I think it's funny because I think if you hadn't watched a game of baseball in your life until two weeks ago and then started tuning into the NL East race, <laughs> you would have a very different idea of what these teams are actually like yes. versus the the reality of it, the expectation versus reality. Like, 
I really do think that the Mets are going to win a World Series in the next five years. And I think the Braves are one of the best teams in baseball, except they had some crushing injuries and a few of their players underperformed in the first month, which set them back. Philly is a dumpster fire every single year, always. They're in their own category. <laughs> but in the last two weeks, they've played the best baseball really out of anyone in the league. So baseball is just as much a game of runs, and by runs I mean streaky runs, as basketball is. You get hot, and then you go cold, and you hope it's at the right time of the season, and you hope it's when the teams in your division are cold. So it's up on the air. I still think the Braves are going to win. I think they have the most talent. Yeah, because I, I listen to this podcast called In the Pit, and it's like a daily show, and they specify most on baseball. And the most I heard from this division was DeGrom and the absolute tear that he was on. Yes. And then all of a sudden, I'm they're talking about Bryce Harper every day, and I'm like, when it, where did this come from? <laughs> and then, as you just said, it's like, yeah, they're just like hot right now, and I'm just like, okay, and then I saw the Mets. Now they're just not talking about them because, as you've said, they've gone ice cold. And then one of them is from Washington. And he's like, yeah, they traded all my favorite players. <laughs> tough, <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> so tough. So it's just like this division's all over the place. And I didn't know they were all in the same division. So when I was writing down all the stuff, I was like, wow, that's a, a different. a bunch of different things are happening at once here. Yeah, so it, it's been and listen, the Mets were in first place for 90 days. Yeah, in, in yeah. That division. they they really held that strong. And then things have really fallen apart lately. So um, we'll go to the NL Central. And this one, I feel like is a lot of teams that I don't really hear a lot about. There's a reason for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Milwaukee's in first. I only know Kristen Yelich and I knew that he was good a few years back but he's kind of slowed down i don't know if it's been because of injuries or back injury so and oh back injuries are the worst those can't kick it yeah those things linger on and on and on it's so hard to escape them and it's something you can't blame a guy for it's just like back back injuries just it's so tough to battle through but since he uh joey vado shadow canadian just hit got his 2000th hit if i'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken um and then the cards cubs and pittsburgh I've I've heard Pittsburgh's was projected to be really bad, but I don't really know a ton about this, uh, the NL Central, and is there even much to talk about? But <laughs> if there is, then um, kind of give a summary about it. Yeah, in terms of the race itself, there isn't anything to talk about. I think the no. I think Milwaukee has a ten game lead right now. Last time I checked, um, there's seven and a half up on Cincy right now. Okay, ten, all right, well, they, ten on St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the Brewers are worth talking about, and I do As not do think I. they get nearly the credit that they deserve. They have the best one-two-three punch in yeah. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta in the league. That's tough for me to say, but I think it's true right now. Right? I mean, Pat, who who would be better? You when the Dodgers are healthy. Euler Kershaw. Yes. at this point but they're when not the healthy. dodgers are but they're not healthy yes so i so, i think you're fine saying the brewers you have those three guys and then you have the two best relievers in the game arguably in yep. devin williams and josh Hader. their offense isn't that great 
It really isn't that great. It's Willie Adamas who yeah. they traded for from the Rays, who's been phenomenal since he came over. But otherwise, there's not much. Quite literally, it hasn't mattered. Their pitching is that good that it yes. hasn't mattered that they can't score that many runs a game. I think that changes in the playoff. In the playoffs, I I would love to watch the Brewers go far. I think their fan base is awesome. I think Willie Adamas is awesome. Yelich, so many guys to root for. I just think you have to score more than four or five runs a game, no matter how good your pitching is. When you get up against the big boys in the NL West, no matter how good Brandon Woodruff is, the Dodgers are going to come running for you. Yeah, definitely. And so Emma completely nailed it with the Brewers. I'll touch on the Cardinals just because I, I was hoping for more from them this year. I mean, they're, they're five games over 500. It definitely hasn't been a disaster, but their pitching just has not been good enough. And that's been it's really held them back this year. While the Brewers have been fueled on pitching, the Cardinals have gotten very, very little pitching. And it's it's really held them back. Aaron has been fine. Paul Goldschmidt's really rebounded from a tough start. Tyler O'Neill is turning into blossoming to a nice young star out there for them but pitching's rough it's rough and then the cubs were the story with the the fire sale they had at the trade deadline but i I think that kind of sums up the nl central did the cubs need to do that i've i've heard that it was a lot of things that pending ufas and it was a matter if they were going to resign or not and it's just kind of get any asset you can that's Uh, that's exactly what it was is that i think they just realized they weren't going to be able to pay Everybody, everybody or anybody is what it seemed like because they traded everybody yeah. and they might take a run at them now, you know, in the off season after, you know, getting an asset back for them. So, uh, listen, how I look at it is if you're going to full rebuild, you may as well go full rebuild and trade everyone. And that's what they did. I, I like, especially when they're pending UFA is like, I mean, what's, what's wrong with that? Yeah. You get any asset you can and then trade them to a contender, make, let them have a run at a championship because Chris Bryant went to the Giants who are in first in the mm-hmm. West, NL West, which we'll get to next, and then Rizzo to the Yankees, and yep. you can never necessarily count out the Yankees. And then I know they traded another guy, but I can, I'm kind of blanking on his name. Javi Baez but, went to the Mets, yeah. and Craig Kimbrell went to the White Sox. And the thing with all of that that you're saying with these pending UFAs is nothing stops them from trying to re-sign them in the offseason. Yeah. And, Nothing does, so it, it, I'm totally for making the move. It can also be a little like tampering and be like, "Hey, like let's, Absolutely. let's yeah, let, yeah, let's let's yeah. talk again in the off season, and then we'll get you a chance at a run, get us assets, and then maybe mm-hmm. we'll kind of meet in the middle in the off season. So who knows what's going on behind closed doors? But uh, the NL West, San Fran leads. I saw this and I thought this was very good as an outsider of baseball. It seems good for baseball, but they're 41 and 18 at home. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me sounds unreal. And like, I, it's a huge credit to their success this season. Um, but the Dodgers are four games back and Padres sit in third at 11 games back. But I think this one has a lot of the highest ceiling in terms of excitement amongst yep. teams. Um, but yeah, what's, uh, what's your thoughts on the NL West? Yeah, it's it's the most talented division. Definitely. And it's also, I, I, I don't know if I can say this. I, I think the AL East is my favorite. But the Giants are the best team to talk about. You cannot, I couldn't give you even a 10-bullet list of the best parts about the Giants because it's, so it's so much more than that. It's the fact that 
they had absolutely zero expectations for this season. It's the fact that almost every single person on their roster is over the age of 33. Yeah. And they lead the league in home runs. They have the best situational hitters in the league. They have incredible defense. They took flyers on pitchers that have never really fit in on any pitching staff they've ever been on. And they turn into legitimate NL Cy Young candidates in San Francisco. And then my favorite part of all is that this was their last year before all these contracts expire. They are playing with house money because Mm -hmm. next year they can basically wipe it clean and then start up again with some of the best prospects in the league and Joey Bart at catcher Yep. and then do it all over again with supposedly the better talent even though the talent on their team right now, even though they're 35, it makes up the best team in baseball. I I love how you put that. That if you're looking for your story of the season, it is the San Francisco Giants. Just with what they've done from where their expectations were to the season that they've had to they've turned themselves into a machine. You, you know, Jevin, you mentioned they're at their home record. They don't lose out at Oracle Park. They don't lose period very often because they're <laughs> sitting there at 77 and 42 right now. Uh, you know, the Emma didn't and she went through all these names. She didn't even mention Kevin Gosman, which, again, shows how deep and how cool this team has been, where Kevin Gosman has been so phenomenal uh, holding down that that starting rotation. You've got the Death Star down there in the Dodgers. I mean, there's so much talent there. There's so much money poured into it. They're always going to be in contention and they're going to be right there competing for the World Series. And then you've got the San Diego Padres, which have not been healthy at all this year. But, you know, how is the most exciting player in the sport, Fernando Tatis? So. It's just that division. If you pick had to pick a division to watch every night, I think it's between the AL East and the and the NL West. Well, I think the AL East is going to be the most competitive of them. As Emma said, the NL West is the most talented out there. The San Francisco Giants are probably the most interesting team in the MLB for me because they're always yeah. one of those teams where they'll win a World Series go away for two years, win a World Series. It's crazy. Go away for a few years, and then contend. now they're contending again. It's like they've had so much success. They're not like a one-off team like the Nats, where it's like they just like sprack, they just won a World Series. It's like they're always a team you always, to me, forget about, but they've had so much success within mm-hmm. the past decade yep. where it's like you have to give them the respect, but it's like you never know when they're just going to sporadically just go to the World Series somehow. It's always a team that pops up to me in yeah. random random years. And as a non-baseball follower in prior years, it's like the Giants, are they are they good? But it's like I don't I don't know. <laughs> That's so. exactly the narrative. And I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit, Jevin. You're you're keeping up with your Yeah, team. you know what's going on. Yeah, I really know what's going on. I've put a lot of because I listened because the po- baseball podcast I listen to comes out every day and there's updates every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, the past like f- month I've listened to MLB updates every single day. So I've listened to it a lot. And I think which gets into my questions because I'm going to kind of go into the latter half of my topics. But um. The best way to get into the MLB is a fan, because that's kind of what I've been wondering. And there's different ways, whether you maybe bet on some games, maybe just to kind of follow or podcast like I'm 
doing but like what are your guys's now that we're kind of into the topic conversation but how would you guys say like if they're like i'm trying to get into the mlb as a fan what would you say is the best way to get into it i think now is one of the best times because of the young not it doesn't even have to be young it just so happens to be young the talent that baseball has right now when has there ever been a personality like Fernando Tatis Jr. in baseball? When has there ever been the literal talent of a Shohei Otani? And then you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And then you have Juan Soto. And then you have Mike Trout, who is literally the best player in baseball. And Mookie Betts. I think we could talk for so long and we could get so nitty gritty about the rules the rules that are ruining baseball and what fans don't like about the blackout rules, which I think is very legitimate. Yes. But if you're talking about the game itself and why people like baseball is because they like following these types of talents. And these are the type of guys that you want to watch every day. You want to watch Fernando Tatis play a new position for the first time in his career and then hit two home runs at the same time. I think that, it makes me sad almost talking about because that that stuff gets overlooked when you're in the middle of a sticky substance scandal mm-hmm. or when you're in the middle of a sign stealing scandal. There are so many good players that just don't get the exposure and the visibility because they play baseball. And for some reason, because people think it's slow, they don't give it as much credit as football or basketball. I think that's really important what you said on your, your last point there. And that's exactly where I would go is that. When, when watching baseball and getting ready to get into it, you kind of have to be in the mindset to know that it's different than football or basketball or hockey, as you were saying, Emma. It's a 162-game season. It's not 16 – you know, it's not like the 16 in football. You know, it's not what you – the 81 um, – or 82, excuse me, in, um, in the NBA and the NHL. It's, it's just a different – it's a different beast. And, you know, if there's no clock, it's just – there's a romanticism to part of it in knowing that you got to get 27 outs. You know, doesn't matter how long it takes. It's just that's what you need to be able to win the game. But there's also an understanding that it's different and there are nuances that come with it. So I, I think getting in that mindset is first really important to just know that it is a different animal than I think of what a lot of us are, are used to. And then Emma's so right. I mean, the, the talent and the young talent that's in baseball right now, she went through so much of it. So I, I won't repeat it. It's just off the charts. So there are just so many great players out there, young players out there, pitchers and, and position players that this is a fantastic time to get into it because there's just so many great, great stories to follow. And uh, the answer I was looking for was listen to the Did You Hear podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Man. But um, playoff predictions. Things are kind of getting closer to that time of year. But with everything in its place now, or I guess obviously things are subject to change. But as it sits right now, how do you see it finishing off? I don't know know how Pat's going to answer this. I'll go first. I think the Rays and the Red Sox come out of the East. I think the White Sox come out of the Central. I think the Astros and the A's come out of the West. And then I think the Braves, the Brewers, Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres come out of the West. And I think the Giants win the NL West. So right now, that's probably the most boring, I would say. 
That's if that's if everything basically holds pat. If the Reds don't do anything crazy, if the Yankees don't do anything crazy, the A's don't do anything crazy. I think that's relatively standard. I wonder if Pat deviates at all. No, so I I, I agree. So I'll, I'll go I'll go a little different there. I'm going to say the Reds are going to catch the Padres will be my thing. And so you're going to see the Cincinnati Reds make a wild card here over the Padres, which will be quite the storyline if that is what happens. Um, and then I'll take it further too, to to go with what I, I'm thinking for the World Series right now. As I said, I, I do think the White Sox are going to be a World Series champions. The NL is so interesting because we talk about it. You know, with, with the pitching of the Brewers going to be deadly in the playoffs. Yeah, I'll have two NL West teams. I, I don't give the NL East a shot there, uh, unfortunately. Um, I, I'll stick with the Giants. Just it, it feels a little boring to go that way. But do we really want to bet against a team that seems to mow down everyone that gets in its path? And as Emma put, is playing with house money right now. I'm not willing to bet against that in the National League. So I'll say a Giants-White Sox World Series, and I've got the White Sox taking it home. I don't think that's. I don't think the Giants are boring pick at all. Nice. Yeah, I don't think that at all. I'll. I'll do. I actually. I. I I'm gonna say Dodgers Astros. Oh, please give us that. Dodgers Astros. That was the. Uh, that was the sign stealing matchup for for those who don't know. And that would that Dodgers would be amazing. Hates hate the Astros, so that would be cool. I'm all for that. Yeah. I would hate to be wrong, actually. So. That's not <laughs> <laughs> From a, I don't have much knowledge on in terms of what their status, like if they're hot or not, and like whether or not their like recent playoff success. But I'll go San Fran and Houston. That's All a right. fun one too. It's a good pick, yeah. So I I think just based off of years between World Series, I think this is approximately when San Fran pops when up into the World around. Series. <laughs> so I'll say them. And then Houston's just, uh, whenever they enter the playoffs, I just, they, it seems hard to stop them. So right. I'll go uh, Houston, San Fran. But so I've, uh, I've gathered my knowledge and I never, I had a soft spot for the Blue Jays because of got to represent the can- Canadian team. But I wanted to. I also wanted to go into another direction, and I needed a team to cheer for. I needed a team to follow, and I've been kind of sitting on it a few times. I got drafted by Arizona in the show. Don't root for them this year. Don't do it. Don't do it. I was going to go that way, but then I didn't want to do that. So I wanted to stick to a West Coast team, and. My as a Pats fan, my brother-in-law said for the Red Sox, and I was like, I want to do something a bit different. So I ultimately, with their young talent and oh, I'm good prospect pool, I picked the. Same oh, year. there that, it is. Love That's that. the way to go. I mean, if Great you're looking pick. for a fun team to root for, you just found the most fun one. So. Wow. I feel like it was just National Signing Day for college football. It was pretty cool. With the hat really <laughs> it was great on you. It was a day I've been waiting for. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored. I'm proud. But uh, <laughs> no, no, but I just think like they have, I think, the sixth, sixth best ranked prospect pool. Yep. Just had top 10 pick. And I think Tatis is just a fun player to watch. And after the big best. contract he signed, so I, I wanted a young up-and-coming team to follow and they're on the west coast and it just gives me another excuse to go down to san diego which i've heard is an underrated city 
to go watch a game. So Still trying to get out there to go to that stadium. Um, I, I think it's tough to pick a better option than that, honestly, because think about it. As you said, you've got the farm system, which gives you some sustain sustainability or at least an option for sustainability. You've got the big star in Fernando Tatis Jr. You've got a good place. Uh, you know, a good team already put in place. You've got a beautiful ballpark, which is important for, for your teams as well. And you've got an ownership group and a general manager that will go for it when they think they can win. I think you add all that together. It's a it's such a cool storm and it's a it's a great team to get behind. Yeah. The thing, the funny thing is, is like my mom chose uh, my mom and dad went to Arizona for a summer league trip. They went and saw some summer league games and they picked a couple teams to cheer for. And my mom is a Dodgers fan. And um, we just got a new puppy last year in February. Oh, and, cool. And we named him Dodger. Oh, I love that. So my girlfriend got me a Dodgers hat for my birthday because of Dodger. And then now I chose the Padres. So it's going to be <laughs> weird having a Dodgers hat that it's all black. It's right here. So it's like easy to wear with anything. Oh, oh sweet. Then, yeah. So it's like I'll wear that, but it's like I'll also put on a Padres hat and I'll be cheering for them. So and like they're in the same division. So it's going to be a little back and forth. If, yeah, but <laughs> they're both going to be winning a lot. So if you want. Yeah, to that helps. Fan, yeah. You can really go back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also going to be cheering for the Blue Jays as well, because I want to hopefully see Curtis. Yeah. Yes. Like, do Not well. Enough. That'd be and awesome. and they have a fun team too. So totally I followed their do. playoff success as well in like 2015 with like yeah. Joey Bats, Donaldson, Tulowitzki, and all that sort of that stuff. Was but such a yeah, Joey Bats, the bat flip. Yeah. But um, so around this time, as we're winding down, time for the press. We didn't get any questions, but I have a couple here that I wanted to ask, and um. We can make this as quick as I can. I forgot to get to it, but are the Angels wasting like Otani and Trout years? Like, should they be contending mm. closer to when they're projected to because of Mike Trout's arguably one of the greatest to ever play and Otani's dual talent? Like, he's elite pitcher. He's leading the league in homers. Like, are they wasting prime years of these two players? Man. I'll go first. <laughs> so objectively, yes. Yeah. I think ob- objectively, they have not made it to the playoffs. So yes, they are wasting the two best players in baseball. However, if you really get into the financial situation, I read a really mm-hmm. interesting article about what Shohei Otani's future is going to be based on what the market will be when he hits the market in a couple of years. How can you put that much money into Mike Trout? How can you put that much money into Anthony Rendon? How can you put that much money into Shohei Otani and then expect to have any sort of talent on any other part of the ballpark? Um, I do. I mean, I, I think it's I've been very clear. I think it's absolutely criminal that their pitching has been so bad. I exactly. cannot believe it's been so bad. It's basically unfathomable in the draft. The Angels drafted 20 pitchers they had 20 picks and they drafted 20 pitchers that's how dire the situation is (laughs) so i mean it could it could go so many different ways i'll try and keep it as succinct as possible i think they have been wasting their time their uh mike trout and shohei otani's time and prime 
it's just at some point you've got to take the leap and go after and pay the big money for a proven star as opposed to giving flyer deals for guys that they hope can get better, a Dylan Bundy type who's just been yep. flat out awful. Yeah, and that, that hits most of it is that they are incredible to watch, especially when you know, Trout's been injured this year when those two are on the field together. They're two of the most exciting players in the game, two of the best players in the game. Their problem is that they have drastically messed up their allocation of resources, and they just haven't put any into pitching. And it's bizarre. It doesn't make sense. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, 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 it sucks that Mike Trout has been in the playoffs once. He is the best player of this generation. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And the guy has played in one playoff series. It's baseball deserves better than that. And for that, the angels need to kind of evaluate how they're doing things. Maybe they're finally looking at, as Emma said, they drafted 20 pitchers, which is just crazy. So we'll see if we see a little bit of a change this off season, more of an emphasis on pitching for them, but that has been their biggest problem. Yeah. Cause I saw that and I was like, I feel like they should be in a better position kind of close to like where the yes, Padres are. <laughs> but uh, next question um, with the recent Trevor Bauer news, he finally got his first trial. Does he throw another pitch in the MLB? No. This year or ever? Ever this year? Because like, it's just like his allegations and stuff are pretty serious. And yes. so, what are your um, what's your stance on the whole Trevor Bauer situation, his career moving forward? Uh, I I don't think he should ever throw a pitch in baseball. In the MLB again. And I actually think this is an opportunity completely independent of how the trial goes for baseball to finally put the hammer down and create a line. And if players are going to cross that line, then they don't get to play anymore. I think there's in all sports so much gray area mm. and sexual assault is pretty much as on gray, as black and white as it gets. Um, I think so far they've done basically the bare minimum by putting him on leave and not letting him pitch. I think that even got a little bit dicey because it was up in the air for so long about whether he he's was still getting paid. As yeah, well. he's still on pay. I think this is an opportunity for baseball to create the line and say they are not going to condone this type of behavior. And I, I sincerely hope they do that because Trevor Bauer is not the only recent issue they've had with no. this. Yeah, I, I go with no as well. I, I, I've read through the allegations and they're horrifying and scary yeah. and just ugh, it's it's just a, it's an awful situation. And it, it, you act like that, there should be consequences. And uh, I I do not want to see him on the mound again um, through, yeah. through all of that. So we'll, we'll see how baseball handles it. As, as Emma was saying, this is definitely going to be an opportunity regardless of how everything plays out in the legal system. Um I don't even know how his Dodgers teammates can look at the guy, you know, say if he were to try to come back. So I I go with no. Do you think there's any way they could void his contract? That's going to be the end. I I have no idea how it works. Yeah. I I can't even answer that. I have no idea. But it just it seems so wrong, obviously, that 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 would happen, especially the magnitude of the contract that he signed. Yeah. Uh, Last question, kind of end on a lighter note. This could be a bad question this could be a good question but it's a situational question Ooh. world series game seven 
There's a runner in scoring position. It's bottom of the ninth. It's a tie game. Mets versus Angels. DeGrom versus Trout. Oh. Who wins the battle? Wow. You can't give Pat that question. That's the uh, most biased answer. Just gave me a layup. Oh, I'm thrilled to end on that. Um. <laughs> So, Pat, you go first, and then I'll give the rational answer. (laughs) It's Jacob DeGrom because good pitching beats good hitting every time. That's simple, right? It's I Listen, that matchup would be out of this world if we were to ever get it, and I pray to God we get a chance to do it because it would be my baseball teams in the World Series again. (laughs) Um, But, you know, a, a healthy DeGrom, there's no one like him. Just with, with the the fastball velocity, the slider break, the slider velocity, all of it that goes into it. I could do a full Jacob DeGrom breakdown. I will spare everyone that, but I picked DeGrom. Yeah, I'm actually going to go the same way. And I hope you came up with this situation on your own, Jevin. That's I, I, awesome. I did. I, I thought about it a few times. And yeah, I, I love it. Very cool. Ask you guys. I, I um, did not tell him. It. I know what you're trying to insinuate. Yeah, Pat, <laughs> um, so quickly, before I give my answer, I actually think this is a problem with baseball, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. But Mike Trout can go 0 for 4 on the biggest stage in the World Series. All eyes are on him for maybe the first time in his career, if that ever happens. Hopefully it happens. And he might strike out three times. That's just what happens in baseball, because if you are elite you still get out seven out of ten times. That's, That's just insane. the name of the game, and it's so yep. different from all the other sports, right? That being said, I do think Jacob deGrom – see, I'm such a hypocrite because I, I go around saying all these players are the best players in baseball. Shohei Otani uh, – excuse me. Mike Trout is the best hitter in baseball. Jacob yep. deGrom is the best pitcher in baseball, and I agree with Pat that that gives him the edge. But I'm going to stick with it. Shohei Otani – is better than both of them because he can do both well. And he does more than hit well. He is yes, he does. Well, he's the best hitter in, in baseball healthy right now. He's leading the league in home runs. But to go down the easy route, I think Jacob DeGrom wins. Emma, that stat that you gave on your podcast about Jacob DeGrom, like the average, the batting average for pitchers, DeGrom oh, yeah. like, takes yeah. the best hitters below the – batting average for pitchers who are at bat or something like that yes that it was blew I, me away that How was that one possible of, that was one of my favorite stats that, that I ever found it was that Degrom was holding hitters to the same average that pitchers when they're at the plate hit themselves yeah that that's not how this sport works <laughs> that and is, that's what he was doing this year that's the most baffling one of the most baffling stats i've ever heard in my entire life close to like the fitzgerald more tackles than yes, drop passes. yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> but that stat is absolutely insane Oh, it's a travesty that he's been hurt this this year because I, I just I wish we could have seen what he could do but at full on strength. The flip side, think about how cool. I mean, we're always going to remember this season. I will always mm-hmm. remember how good Jacob Degrom is this season. Yep. And cool. and he had no business in the sticky stuff, didn't he? I thought no, no nothing. So, and that even that even just oh my god, he's on another planet. That just the way <laughs> like, this is crazy. he's on another planet. That's that's insane. Thank uh, you for bringing that up, though. It means a lot. I yes. I had to because I heard that and I my jaw even dropped. I'm like, 
What? That's, that that means most, we're doing our job. Yeah, that was growing. the most yeah. Pat and I have ever geeked out on an episode. My family listened and was like, oh my God, are you embarrassed after that? <laughs> That's so embarrassing that <laughs> you guys were so into it. But I think it's so cool. We obviously think it's so cool. I, I, had, I had to bring it up. Whenever I think of Jacob DeGrom, I think about that stat. Yeah. It's He holds the that best warms my heart. hitters how, in baseball. Yeah. To a the same average as when pitches out. That's crazy. But we'll we'll wrap it up there. This was a super fun episode. Thank you for coming on, guys. Uh, this is your time to plug anything you're working on and where they can find your podcast, social media, all that sorts of stuff. Yes, definitely. So as we said at the beginning, we're back from our summer hiatus, as we're calling it. Our podcast is called the Did You Hear Podcast. You can find us on Apple and Spotify, Twitter and Instagram at Did You Hear Pod. And Jevin, seriously, you are literally our biggest supporter. We appreciate you yes, so much. Thank we you love so your much. stuff. We love coming on. Had so much fun. It flew by too. But yeah. I hope. I, um, I mean, to give you some credit, seriously, I think you know way more about baseball than you give yourself credit for. You definitely. I agree. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm. I'm yeah. trying. I want to branch out into other sports. I want to be a little bit more versatile than just hockey and football. So I yeah, want to. And baseball has always been the one bystander, but I don't want that to be the case anymore. I ordered a Tatis jersey too, so I was I was gonna say Go you've got the perfect me. thing going now with the Padres yeah. stuff, yeah. so you can yeah. only get more into it now. And and I got this like years ago, and it was just a Bud Light can, but it has the old Padres logo on it. Oh, I love you, that logo. You move it to the so, side a little. Other oh. way. Oh, yeah, there it is. I, oh, loved, yeah. Logo. Yeah, I loved that logo. Yeah. So, that was like a Trevor Hoffman logo. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, I just like, that's just, that's my calling. Like, I have to do it now. It's fate. Yeah, it yeah, is. It I was fate, exactly. No, but yeah, you're, what you guys got going over at Did You Hear is lots of fun. It's a super fun listen. Uh, be sure to check him out every week. Uh, when do you upload episodes? Yeah, so we do we do weekly episodes every Wednesday. We drop them. And then during the baseball season, we've been doing episodes that drop every Friday called Weekly Walk-Off, where we focus just on baseball. And for the entire baseball season, we've mostly just been focusing on just baseball. So it's been a lot of baseball. <laughs> but uh, Wednesdays and Fridays. Yep. So that's awesome. Looking forward to the next episode. Um, you guys know where to follow me on Instagram, at Jevin.Lefave, on Twitter, at JevinLefave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at LeftSideHeavy underscore Intro outro music, as you know, is Savage by Tom Ivory featuring Six Band. Be sure to check him out on everywhere you get your music. And yeah, this is a different episode, as I stated before, but I had a lot of fun doing it. I'm looking forward to doing it some more. Pat and Emma, thank you again for coming on. I'm excited to do this again in the future. And as for you listeners, we'll see you guys next time. I just got a leg off. from ducking and fucking, and now I got put in the friend zone. There's no need for discussion, I just really love how you get low But I'm dipping, I'm cutting the shorty, ain't worth being ten toes, ten toes I, I, I just gotta let go, call me a Benzo, pay it all cash, I won't take no rent